what a wonderful time during testimony time. There's something about testimony. God takes your tests and he makes them a testimony. God can take the mess of your life and make it a message. Help me somebody. We all come with various ways to the house of the Lord. But there is something about the kingdom that begins to change the atmosphere for his presence. I just have a sense that God is about to do something big. Not because I'm preaching or saying anything, because I'm just here just being obedient to the king. And um, I've never been on a podium where there's felt on the thing. I'm not quite sure what that's about, but it's, it's pretty interesting. John and your wonderful wife, Michael and Heather, and the apostolic team, we thank you for embracing us into the house of the Lord here. And it's always a joy and, a, and an excitement to watch what God's doing and the testimonies and the excitement of it all. And um, it's an honor. Thank you, John. It's a real, real honor. Spirit of the Majestic God, we invite you into this place. Not that you need the invitation, but we need our hearts to be open. Spirit of the Majestic God, hide me behind the cross and let you be seen here today. Let heaven's thumbprint be on this meeting that signs, wonders and miracles can begin to happen. We're hungry for you. Father, we thank you that hunger attracts you. And we're hungry here today. Father, fill every heart here today with your power and your presence. Permeate this place with your presence, God. We're going to smell the fragrance of heaven. Father, I don't want to stand to deliver what I've never knelt to receive. In the book of John, in the second chapter, and I'm going to try and behave myself today, I'm an African. I get excited, but I'm going to um, try and behave myself so I can get across what um, I feel God would have me deliver here today. In the book of John, in the second chapter, we begin to see some things unfolding and uh, I would like to take some things, I won't have time this morning, to share everything that is in this portion of Scripture where we see Jesus doing his first miracle because it's so in-depth and so powerful that we would be here all day. Maybe that's what God would want, but who knows. Um, but here we find that Jesus has been given an invitation to a feast, a wedding feast. In this invitation to this wedding feast, him and his disciples, Jesus' mother is already at the feast, which is um, an indication that Jesus and his mother are familiar with these people. 
this um, historians say that there is because Jesus' mother was there and um, he didn't need an invitation. Probably was his right to be there. But an invitation was given. I think it's his right to be here today. But sometimes he needs an invitation. Uh, I'm going to say that again. It's his right to be here. We're his people. We're his creation. He wants to spend time with us. But there are times that that invitation is necessary because he's wanting to fill hungry hearts. He wants to see how desperate are you? Are we willing to do whatever it takes to say, God, come up on the scene. I I need you today. I need you right now. I'm in this condition because I'm needing help, an invitation. I grew up as a missionary kid in southern Africa and um, we grew up in the villages and in, uh, with the Tosa people. Um, that wasn't tongues. It was just a language. <laughs> Smile a while. It's going to be okay, folk. We're in the house of the Lord. Uh, and... Um, as we grew up on the mission station, we weren't in the era of technology. I mean, my brother, my sister and I, we weren't under the bed um, trying to invent the iPhone and uh, praying for a tablet. You know, so back on the mission field, you know, um, in those days when dad left to go and preach in the villages, um, he may be gone six, seven Ten days, we don't know. We didn't know when he would arrive. And I remember one occasion, and and my sister and I, we had missed my dad a lot, and and um, you know we were not sure when he's coming home, and we'd bug mom for the first three days, and then finally mom would get upset and say, "Don't bug me anymore about it. I don't know when he's coming home either." And I remember this one occasion when um, just kind of missing him, gone into ten days and eleven days, and you know. I mean, he was out there somewhere preaching the gospel. And um, there was a, the African sun was busy setting and the evening had just come. And um, there was a loud knock on the door. And I remember my sister and I scrambling out because it was like, yay, visitors have arrived, you know, boredom is going to leave, you know, something exciting is going to happen and, you know. Um, I mean, we didn't have television. My dad thought it was uh, of the devil. And, um, you know, I grew up in that kind of era. And uh, so we, we ran to the door, only to open the door, and there was Dad. He had a key. He could have opened the door at any time. But he decided to knock on the door and wait for us to come and open the door. And I remember, as it was like yesterday, jumping and screaming and and holding him and my sister jumping into his arms. I have a sense that Daddy's at the door. See, I'll never forget, it just 
all of a sudden there stood. I could have walked in any time. But he was waiting for us to open the door. And there he stood. And he smiled. I have a sense that Daddy's at the door and he wants to come in. He wants to pour in upon each one of us. I'm not sure how you got here today. Maybe 60 years ago, there was an invitation and you're here today. And God impregnated your heart and He said, I want you to stay faithful because I want to pour out my Spirit not upon only this church, but upon this city. Help me somebody. So there are people sitting here today and they're here by divine appointment. They got an invitation somehow, whether their parents invited them to the service, whether they came coming, kicking and screaming like some of my children come on a Sunday. But I don't care how you got here today. I know how you're going to leave here today. No. Because you can not leave the same way you came. Because God cannot come and we leave the same. Mm. I said I wouldn't preach. I was just going to try and just exhort us here today. But you don't have to leave the same way you came. You can leave different, changed by His power. Daddy's at the door. And we don't have to go to the door. I didn't, we didn't run to the door and we see our dad and go, oh, jeez, it's you again. But we arrived with excitement, joy, gladness of heart, jumping up and down, excited. I have an area of excitement that when God shows up on the scene, Something changes in the atmosphere in such a way that that suddenly as ten days of drug addiction gone past, but it's the beginning of your future of the glory and the power of God. I was once blind, but now I see. So Jesus is invited, given an invitation. It was his right, it was probably friends or family. But he waited for the invitation and Jesus we give you that invitation here today. And John, thank you for trusting me enough to believe that God can do something supernatural in this place. Invitation. You know, He invites us and we invite Him. So when they arrive at this occasion, the mother, Jesus says, they've run out of wine. Run empty. They're on empty. Have you ever been on empty? Come on, help me somebody. So I know some of you won't even raise your hand because you just you, <laughs> you won't do anything anyway. <laughs> That's why we need a move of God. 
Jesus walked in the room. <laughs> they go, oh, gee. <laughs> Their song is, I shall not, I shall not be moved. Jesus' mother says they've run out of wine. Now, in the biblical sense and, and the time and the era that Jesus lived in, it was a, 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 a huge issue because their ceremonies took seven days. Thank God they did not in those days. I mean, that's a big expense. Seven days. Seven days of celebration and so when they give an invitation to a feast it's truly a feast and so over this period of time if they haven't prepared well it's a dishonor on them and it's a shameful thing to run out of wine because it was Wine typified. It was. It, it, it showed uh, gladness, joy, happiness, celebration. So if you were depleted or ran out of wine, it was a shame on the celebration. It seemed like it put a damper on the celebration. And so when we run out of that joy, happiness peace, then all of a sudden, all over the community, we're not doing what we need to be doing and having that celebration of the King. Uh, it's a sad thing to run out of your joy, your happiness, your peace, your heart for God. When you run out. I did my first crusade in Haiti at the age of 18. By the time I got into my 20s, I already had received a 10,000 seater tent from Reinhard Bonke. We were ministering in southern Africa. From there, we felt to launch into Canada. Now, I don't have time here today and this is not the time um, John gave me only 10 minutes I'm sure if I ever passed that by now um, had an office in Kenya had an office in South Africa had an office in Canada and I rose to Christendom fame as they say Sometimes you think you've arrived. You're sitting with a who's who in the zoo. You go to this conference and you go to that conference and you speak over here and you know you, you're sitting in a green room over here to go on television over here and you and, and and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Till there came a time, what looked like I had something but I had run out. I remember preaching at a conference and I stood up and I could preach, but I didn't have his presence. 
could say the right things, but I didn't have His presence. I could pray for the sick, could prophesy, but I didn't have His presence. How could you do that? Because you know, beloved, you can get into such a place and you can just keep on running, but you're running on empty. And I stood up and I was preaching and you know you can preach and think at the same time? You can so you're preaching, John, <laughs> and I'm thinking, and I'm going like, my God, there's nothing here. I didn't have a word. I didn't have something to say. I know you, you smell the food and you want to get going and time's running out. But I want, to hear your, your, I want you to hear my heart today. I got on the plane from that conference and I, I felt empty. I'd run dry. I had no wine. I had no joy. I had no gladness of heart, no, no satisfaction. I sat in that plane and there was an emptiness inside. And I knew just in a little while I'd be landing, being picked up taken to go, get on the miracle channel, get off, get to another meeting. And it was over. It was completely over. My marriage is on the rocks. My life is on the rocks. I remember walking into the house and just looking around and going like, what has my life become? I remember the first crusade and I remember the power of God we're in the streets of Port-au-Prince. We just stood. Thousands came. And the power of God came. Like I can just remember, just come down like we were under the spout where the glory comes out. Port-au-Prince was being shaken by the power of God. People, uh, they call them tap-taps, taxis. And the tap-taps would come and stop and, 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 and it was a chaotic mess as, as God began to move and people began to just run out of these tap-taps, delivered and set free as we were doing these massive crusades with the speakers going through the city. Voodooism was just coming to its knees and the power of God was there. And now all of a sudden I'm walking through this place and I'm going, God, what's wrong? My life has become a mess. I've joined the kingdom zoo of being who's who in the zoo. Spiraled down, further and further down. And I felt I was depleted of every single thing I was. I ran out of wine. I had an affair. 
taken into a divorce. Suddenly their offices in Kenya closed, South Africa closed, Canada closed. And through that, I picked up my bags and walked out of town with shame, guilt, and pain. And that was the end. I said, God, I'd never minister again. I'd never stand behind a podium again. I'd never share the kingdom things again. I ran out of wine. I couldn't pick up the phone and call my dad. He had gone on to glory. I couldn't say, Dad, I'd made a mess of my life. try to pick up the phone and phone another preacher and I won't mention his name he's still preaching across nations called him wanted to speak to him I remember his words he said Stephen I had an affair but I had enough money to buy my way out called another man of God and I said uh, can you pray for me I'm just going through some things I've gone through a divorce and made a mess of my life and he said don't call me again I said I've preached for you I've ministered the word with you I just I was gone and in the time and the mess of my life and all that was happening one hope. God gave me a beautiful wife and a beautiful children who would cry with me, who would hold me and spend time with me and I, and I had nothing else, nothing in this world, nothing but my wife's love. I honor you, honey. Out of that, I realized how the kingdom of God were messed up because we've left the king out of it. Ran out of wine. You, have you a sense that you've run out of wine at times? Come on. Is there anybody here? Just run out of something. Run out of your joy. Run out of your peace. And I fought. It was a lonely journey. Got angry at God. My wife today, she she almost on the verge of leaving herself. So messed up. Just couldn't couldn't get beyond anything. Today's a miracle. I stand here today as the mess of my life becoming the message of my life. See, I'm not worried about who's going to invite me. I don't even worry if John ever invites me to preach again. Not because I want to dishonor him. But I'm not worried about that. This is not what I'm worried about. I'm more hungry for him. 
I'm more desperate for the power of God in my life that when I stand to believe God for a community that I say, God, here I am. Here I am. Is it okay for a few more minutes? If you're in a hurry, we bless you in Jesus' name. Deep inside of me, I was... I really wanted God. really wanted Him on the scene. But I didn't know how to get Him. I was angry. Frustrated. Pain in every direction of my life. Two years ago, I walked into my house and my wife put preaching on. Somebody was preaching in my house. It's like, what? I wanted to say something, but I said nothing. I was just like, oh. And the preacher she had on, I've sat with. And I go like, oh, I know he's bad faults. I know, you know, this, I know that. And it's like, get him off. Shut it down. But I said nothing. And you know, I, I, she put on the word and she put on different preaching for probably two weeks just preaching preaching I was angry mad frustrated but I didn't want to take on that challenge because I knew I'd lose (laughs) 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 so I let it and then about the third week I got messed up because she put on worship. And if you get to know me, you'll get to know that there's one thing I love. I want to become a worshiper. I I don't care about anything else. I want to worship the King. I I want to be known that I can worship Him in spirit and in truth. And there was worship on And she's in the kitchen weeping. And I go. And I I try to walk upstairs of her house and it's like worship, worship. And something began to fill the empty void of my heart. The emptiness of my heart. You see, when we come to worship... There is a posture of expectancy that is essential to entering into what God wants to do. If you're standing there smacking gum while the worship team's up here, I want to tell you something right now. You'll keep on smacking gum. But if you stand there and do something just different than you've ever done before, it's a posture of expectancy. God, come. I'm hungry for you. I want you. And something happens. Worship began to play. And slowly, gently as possible, God used her to put on that worship. Till suddenly we're just on the floor worshiping the King. 
and he began to fill me up with new wine again. Fill us up with new wine. Fill us up. And through many things, and I don't have time here, maybe over time we can share those things, but as God began to fill me up again and used my wife to as a tool, we still had struggles. We still had struggles. It's years of struggles. We still had struggles, and, and we were just in a place where we weren't sure where to go and, and, and discouragement had set in even though the worship was there and the praises of the worship was there and, and there was a, a struggle. And I remember my wife just laying in bed and she just said, where next, Stephen? I don't know. And God used our children and went out to play ball with them and, they, and we were talking to them and they said, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And he said, my daughter said, one of my daughters said, Dad, we need to go to Port Alberni. Port Alberni? What good can come from Port Alberni, huh? Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, and so <laughs> so um we've gone to Tofino and we drove through that town and we drove out. We stopped for a coffee and it didn't even taste nice either. <laughs> so we kept on driving. Now my daughter's saying, come, we've got to go to Port Alberni. I wanted to say get behind me, but you know, I mean... I said, are you, are you serious? She said, Dan, I'm serious. We've got to be in Port Alberni. So I, I walked upstairs and as gently as possible, said to my wife, uh, get up. She said, what? Because I said, uh, we're going to Port Alberni. <laughs> <laughs> Her expressions were even greater than my expressions. What? Say what? I said, yo, get up right now. We're going to Port Alberni. We got in the vehicle. We were living close to Nanaimo. And uh, she said, we're on our way to Port Alberni. So so we came to Port Alberni. And I remember coming over the the hill. And it's just like, oh, Jesus. Wow. <laughs> so, th- so this is what it looks like. <laughs> and uh, we came and we just drove. Just drove around. Just drove around. 
And then we drove past Jericho Road. And I, and I will tell you, this is exactly how it says, there's home. There's home. Right. So we looked at each other and we were saying, that's where we're going to go and worship. We were worshiping somewhere else in Nanaimo and Lord said, no, that's where you're going to go. So I came and interviewed John. <laughs> so I came and, well, I, that is not true. I, I'll go back. I said, the how it worked. I came, I said to the family, we're going to go worship there. So I came in, walked to the door. Amy was standing there. I said, uh, have you got a brochure? She goes, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, Amy. <laughs> and then she came out to that little fountain thing out there and she gave me something, I believe. And uh, that was my, that's what I received. And Amy gave me that and I walked away and um, it wasn't satisfactory. I said, no. I said to my wife, we were driving in this another day that we came in to look around for places and schools and stuff. And, uh, and uh, then... We had just um, decided, well, I said to my wife, I said, we're going to stop. I'm going to go and meet the pastor. She goes, oh, Lord, we're going to be here forever. <laughs> so I said, no, come on. Well, I'm going to. So she said, you go in. If he's there, you can call me if you want. Otherwise, I can just stay in the car. I'm okay just staying in the car. So I'll walk in and. Uh, John was gracious and he was there and said, you know, come in. And I walked in and I said, well, my wife's in the vehicle. So he said, oh, go get her, bring her in, you know. So I went out and said, oh, you know, the pastor's here. Said like, you know, you Canadians, the pastor. <laughs> Sounds like pasta, you know. <laughs> so anyway, I, we got into the office and and it was a divine appointment. Because that day that we met, grace and mercy embraced each other on my behalf. And John was John. He says, and what does that look like? How does that sound to you? What color are you, Stephen? <laughs> As he shared his story, I stopped him and I said, you're writing my book. You wrote my book. You wrote the book of my life. And as gracious as he was and as humble as he is, he said, Stephen, there's hope for you. There's hope for you guys. He said, this is a safe place. I invite you to worship with us. Thank you. God began to fill me and He's been filling my family. And He's been pouring into us. And I believe that God wants to do a mighty, mighty revival. Not only in our personal lives, but in the city and in this church. have to close. I can't even see the time there. Thank God. 
run out of wine. I don't know who I'm speaking to today. I know I'm preaching to myself. Because when you're depleted of something and, and you're hungry for God, He will come and He will fill hungry hearts. He will fill hungry hearts. And we know the story and we know it well. And Jesus, His mother said, we've run out of wine. And He says, what is that to do with me? What's, what's that got to do with me? And Jesus' mother said to the servants, do whatever He tells you to do. And Jesus, I need you to listen. This is the word from the Lord today. Because I don't ever, ever want to stand to deliver what I've never knelt to receive. Those days are behind me. I want to know what God is saying and have something to say that He is saying. So, Jesus doesn't say to the servants, go down to the wine store and get us a mix. He doesn't say, let's go to the field and get some grapes and, and press on them and walk around on something. And he says, get this. He says, that's not what it's about. I need you to hear. But he says to the servants, he says, there are pots of purification here unto the Jews. He says these and he says this take water water and pour it in. Now this is the miracle. The ingredients that Jesus needs is in the house. I've come just to say this one word here today and I'm here to give testimony to the goodness of God but one word, it's in the house. The miracle